If you've been listening to our episodes in order, you know that we've been focused on the role of community and small business in community and how we can show up for one another when we support these amazing women and men who run these. Each episode for us, as well as hopefully for you during our summer of action, gets us thinking a little bit deeper about these issues and what we can do as individuals to make more informed choices. So we are going to launch into our amazing interview with another business owner in a moment, but I do want to ask me, Sasha, what was your biggest takeaway from this episode that we're about to share with all of you and with all the other ones, right? All the other episodes that we've had in the last few weeks. Yeah. Well, and I preface this as like something that should have been obvious to me because I was a small business owner, but it's really what I keep hearing again and again, and especially in this episode, along with our Nirvana Soul one is the intentionality, right? That small business owners put into so many parts of their businesses and how they want that to reflect their values. I think those moments that are so special about small businesses. And when Bunny talks about, you know, I don't want to give too much away because but her store layout, right? Or that transition to online and how she wanted her products to show up online. You know, it's those moments that you think like, wow, this is the true power of when you know your values and you put them out there for people. So how about you, Sarah? What's been your biggest takeaway from this episode and, you know, the past couple of ones that we've recorded? I mean, you basically just hit the nail on the head regarding the bunny conversation that we're about to share with everybody. But I think over, you know, reflecting over the last, I don't know what, four or five conversations since the summer of action kicked off, it's really hard to believe that it's July already, basically. But I think, you know, it started with this idea of change starts within, right? It's looking inward and taking a look at how we're showing up in our circles of influence. And it made me really think about the fact that COVID made me disappear from a lot of friendship groups, period, let alone the diverse friendship groups and some of the people that live far away that sometimes aren't top of mind that when they're not in your neighborhood. And it it really led me to think about two things. One is reconnecting with old friends to find out how they're doing. Because when we look at their, you know, circles that are outside of our circle of convenience, you know, people have such different experiences. So it reminded me to do that. And then on top of that, you know, something that was mentioned in our previous episode But it was like these intentional things, intentionality behind these small businesses really make me remember that when we had, you know, after George Floyd was murdered and there's all these like support black owned businesses, support women owned businesses, support minority, you know, Native American owned businesses. It's not a charity case. These are people taking pride in the services and the products that they're going to deliver to you as a value exchange for your money. And it is so cool if we can honor that by not being like, oh, this is a charity case. I'm going to you know, do this good and then post it on social media, but like really think about what my new dental hygienist, Holly, if you're listening, thank you for your inspiration. But she was telling me as I had my face like totally in her, you know, as I'm getting my teeth cleaned recently, she said how much she really doubles down and puts her money into small businesses in our community, even like from the place she goes to get her hair done to all of these things, because she really believes that we're in it together. We need to support each other. And all of this feels like an incredible way to think about how to use our influence, starting with our own lives more wisely and intentionally. That was long. I'm sorry. 
No, I love it because, well, and what you said made me think of something else when we're talking about diverse small businesses in particular, right? These businesses have been here, right? They were here before everyone discovered them, right? And that's like heavy air quotes, discovered them and they'll be there afterwards, hopefully, right? When attention shifts. And I think that is true power, that power of community. And so I hope that we can get out there and talk more about it. So, you know, we've just shared some of our learnings, right, from these episodes, and we hope that these learnings give you some ideas of what's to come and what you're about to hear. So today we have Bunny Hilliard, who's the owner of Atlanta-based bookstore called Brave and Kind on the podcast. And she drops so much wisdom, but she talks about her move from corporate America to opening Brave and Kind, the intentionality, I'm not sure if we said that word enough, but the intentionality that comes into all of her decisions about, you know, the physical space of her store and how that has transferred to her online business as a result of the pandemic and what she'd like us all to know, not only about children's books, but how we can take those conversations that are started are often started through those books into our own homes and also how we can have our buying patterns reflect what we truly believe in. I love that. Our ask for you, dear listeners, after you listen, take those books out of your Amazon cart and find them in an independent bookstore online or in your community and tell all your friends to think about maybe doing the same thing. And if you're looking for recommendations for books, we love books here. So shoot us an email at hello at dearwhitewomen.com. We've got you. Welcome to the Dear White Women podcast, the show that aims to help white women use their privilege to uproot systemic racism. We're your biracial hosts, Sarah and me, Sasha. So I am so excited to be here today with you, Bunny, and I would love it if you could please introduce yourself for our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super duper excited to be here. I had such an amazing kind of first chat with you. And so I've really been looking forward to coming and hanging out with you again. But my name is Bunny Hilliard, like a rabbit. Sometimes people think I'm saying Bonnie and actually Bunny Hilliard. I'm the owner of Brave and Kind Bookshop. We are primarily a children's bookstore and we are nestled in the Oakhurst neighborhood, Decatur, Georgia, but we like to consider ourselves Atlanta. And I am the purveyor of a very intentional selection of representative and inclusive children's literature. We also have a handful, it's grown into a bit more of a handful, but I'm going to work on paring that down a bit, adult books that we hope will make us grownups all consider what it means to be better human beings. And, you know, that plays itself out in different ways. We share books on social activism and race and racism. And also, we hope that we can share some things that will help us become better parents and better friends. And also give us a belly laugh as well, because I think that is just so helpful in life. So, yep, owner, founder, shop girl, that's me. <laughs> I think we'll have to tell her about a book that we know of coming out in the fall that might be well positioned. We'll tell you later. Our book is due out in October. Okay. We will get into that. Yes. I can't remember how I was first introduced to Brave and Kind, but I can tell you that it's become my go-to bookshop for thoughtfully created books that not only feature diverse protagonists doing 
diverse and normal things, but they're grouped by age, by genre, and so much more. Because P.S. I just got my summer book bundles for the boys and they are amazing. I sent Sarah a photo. You know, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about how Brave and Kind got started. Mm-hmm. So I have a business background. And so I used to work for a bank and then I worked in financial services for a little while. And then I took a leave from work to start a family. And as I was carrying my children and building their libraries, I realized that there was quite a lack and books that feature characters that look like them that I wanted to share with them. And so that has always been something that has been a bit of a a journey for me to build. I love reading to them. I read to them when they were in my belly and was really excited about sharing stories with them that I knew would help plant the seeds that we wanted to as we grew our family. So that's kind of always been in the back of my mind. I'm trying to think of how to gel all of these things together (laughs) to when my daughter was about four and a half, we started a little book club for her and her friends as they went off to different schools to find a reason for them to continue to get together, to create a love for books and reading as they were learning to read at that age. And so on Sundays, we would get together, we throw out blankets at the park and we bring out our favorite books and we would read to them to kind of foster a love for books and friends. What's better than books and friends, right? And snacks. What's better than books and friends and snacks? Don't forget the snacks. (laughs) Don't forget the snacks. And so maybe when she was about six, I launched a subscription book box company called the Giggle Girls Book Club. I would like to think I was, if not the first, one of the first six curated subscription book club boxes. I'm just going to put it out there. And so each month you'd sign up and we'd send you a box of, of fun books and a snack. Cause don't forget the snack. <laughs> don't forget the snacks. And we did that for a little while. And then I actually went back to work for a bit and let's see, actually as I was going back to work and I wanted to think about what the next literal chapter of my life would be and look like. And I thought to myself, like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? I put out into the universe that I wanted to have a a brick and mortar children's bookstore. So that was kind of a combination of all of the things that I loved, I really enjoyed doing, I felt passionate about. There's just like, there's so many pieces to this puzzle of how things came into fruition. And so, you know, I had this idea in my heart that I wanted to share these stories that I felt like were missing with my child, but also with other parents that I felt like were having the same difficulty finding books that were a representation of what their families look like and the things that they valued and wanted to share in their home. So not only stories with pictures that look like my children, but also all different types of families and children so that we could talk about that. So one day I set an appointment with a young woman who owned a space, another mom entrepreneur to ask her like, how did you have this idea? And now you're standing in this space that you created. It was a little sewing studio, super cute, where she taught sewing classes, one of which I had taken and just wanted to kind of tap her shoulder and gain her advice. And by the end of the conversation, she was offering me the space. 
which is so, and so people ask me often, like, how did you choose this space? Because it's actually in a very, in a somewhat, you know, what would be considered gentrified area of Decatur. And so here I am, this Black woman, Black-owned bookstore, purveyor of diverse kids' literature in this space. But I like to think that the space chose me because I wasn't asking her to give me her space. And I had also, as part of my business journey, had not gotten to the stage where I was ready to, to kind of fork over the down payment to do all of these things. But I felt like the time had appeared and either I was going to dive in or, you know, go back to my business plan and keep working. And so what I decided to do was launch a crowdfunding campaign kind of as a litmus test, but also as a question to God and the universe, is this the time? And so by the end of it all, I think it might've been 30 to 60 days from the time that I had that conversation with her, I was standing in Brave and Kind Bookshop that we had created together as a community. And so by them kind of signing on and sharing their encouragement and their dollars, we kind of, we all created that space, me and the community in which we reside. Do you see that similarity though, Misasha? Like this idea of building a business together with the community feels like this thread that I keep hearing for successful, thriving businesses that are really hoping to create that same atmosphere for people who've been traditionally not in the mainstream, right? Like there's this partnership to bring these stories and to really help it feel like the right place and the right time. And like you have a home and roots and all of that. So that's amazing to me. It certainly felt amazing. It felt, you know, people ask about my business journey and it's, you know, I say often it's equally exhilarating and terrifying, you know? (laughs) So it is, it feels amazing and it's been good. Then my neighbors have always been amazing. And so I'm so, was so grateful to have built that space and been there at a time in the world when, and not as if we haven't always needed that space, but where eyes were open and hearts were open and people were looking to do something different. I love that. You know, Sarah, to what you were saying earlier, I think just that power of community and looking to fill the voids that are in community that we don't even necessarily are not cognizant of, right? Those are the really important voids to be filled, I think. And I love that you're doing it through books. And I want to talk about books some because they recently heard someone say that they had all the books and by all the books, they were referring to books with diverse protagonists, you know, non-civil rights or slavery focused books, which I think have been largely pushed when you're talking about, you know, what are the books we need to give our kids to teach them about difference? And it's always the civil rights struggle or, you know, and Sarah and I have a lot of thoughts on that. I know you do too, you know, but this person said, okay, I have bought the books with diverse protagonists, right? I have bought the books that are not just focused on civil rights or slavery or, you know, oppression, right? But even with all those books, I'm still not sure how to talk to my white kids about race and racism and anti-racism. So I'm curious to hear, and I think you touched on this a little bit, but how do books provide that entry point? And that my second question is what, you know, to this white parent who says this, you know, what would you say to this person? That's a very good question (laughs) that, you know, I think we all struggle as parents 
with how to talk to our children about hard things. I do earnestly believe that books are an amazing starting point to just start the conversation. I use them as conversation starters, even for things that I'm not quite sure how to talk about. And I ask a lot of questions that end up having very obvious answers as it relates to what it means to be good, what it means to do the right thing, what it means to stand up for yourself when you see, when you feel like you've been treated wrongly. And when you see that happening to someone else, it's certainly just as important, right, to stand up for them. And let's talk about what that might look like, how, what are ways that we can do that. And let's kind of role play. If you were to see something like this happen, what would you say? And how would you react? Or how would you want someone to react if it were you? And so, you know, I ask a lot of, of questions to reveal what it is that we value. We value bravery and kindness, which is kind of, you know, definitely part of how I chose the name for the store is because I wanted to plant seeds in the minds of young people through the stories that we share about what it means to be brave and kind um, to ourselves and to our friends and to our community. So, you know, there are a few books that I think are good conversation starters as it relates to that. You know, one book that stands out to me is a grown-up book. I think we've all at this point read, maybe, hopefully, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. And one of the things that she says in her book that I just, it really kind of resonated with me is that people, we show our children what matters and who matters by the people that we choose to keep in their lives, because we're largely in charge of the people that they interact with and the people, the company that we keep, the people that we invite into our home, the people that we make sure that they stay in contact with when they move from one school to the other, we show them who's important. And by virtue, we show them who's not important by the people that we do not make the extra effort to make sure that they know and see and are exposed to. So I feel like, you know, that is also the case as it relates to can also be the case with children's books. And so while I see and I know folks are bringing in and having these conversations with these books that have these themes of oppression and anti-racism. And I think that's great to start the conversation to understand, you know, the history of America and how we need to think as humans and as citizens, but also, and moreover, what I really enjoy and celebrate and prioritize at Brave and Kind is books that show joy and people of color so that people of color and non-people of color also see the humanity, the kindness, the dignity, the similarities in our friends. So that when we see them, you know, if we keep planting just these seeds of accepting our differences, but not showing how much we are also similar and how we all also so much want and do and enjoy these same things in this life, that when I see this person that doesn't look like me, then I automatically think they're not like me and they're different. And we are, there are some differences. There are some amazing differences. There are also some unfortunate differences as well. But to plant those seeds to change the narrative of what we see and how we talk about what it means to be different races and different cultures in this world.
I'm just curious. You had mentioned just now you have a few books that you love and you mentioned White Fragility. What other books right now, what are some of your favorite books and some of your favorite authors? Well, so the first author that I think of who I know, she is a kind of a hometown hero and she writes books about lots of really hard things. And she's a young adult author by the name of Nick Stone, who's also just one author of the year for young adult titles in the state of Georgia. She's written some really fun books like Clean Getaway. She has another book coming up called Fast Pitch. And those are middle grade books, but also another book uh, called Blackout, which is a compilation with some other amazing young adult writers like Tiffany Jackson and Danielle Clayton, which just shows kind of it's a cheeky, fun love story about just these people that are all experiencing this blackout in New York and kind of from their different perspectives. So we love Nick Stone at Brave and Kind Books, but also, you know, we've done some really amazing virtual events in these last few months. Shelly Anand, who's written Lakshmi's Mooch, is one of my favorites. Isaac Kiss in the Corner is one of my favorites in recent events that just talk about just body positivity and um, beauty and acceptance. Shirley Chisholm Dared, written by Alicia Williams, very kind of inspirational and empowering story. One of my very favorites, and I will always bring this book up, is called Dear Dragon. And it's written by Josh Bunk. And it's about a little boy who is in a class and then this dragon who's also in a class. And then the teachers, they make a deal, make a plan to have these folks be pen pals. So it's called Dear Dragon, a pen pal story. And so they're writing these letters to one another, but they, of course, they've never seen each other because they're pen pals. And so the little boy is like, you know, I love to fly and I love to, you know, play with my, you know, play like I'm a knight with these swords and I have this pet and he, you know, loves to, you know, I love to walk him and we do all of these fun things together. And so the dragon is reading these stories and he's thinking, oh my gosh, I love to do the same things. But of course he's a dragon. So when he sees a knight, this is actually an actual knight and his pet is not a dog, but this other kind of creature. And so while they're riding each other, they're realizing that they love the very same things. His dad takes him to do the very same things. When he goes to school, they talk about the same things with their friends. And then at the end, the teachers plan this picnic where the students get to meet each other and they realize, oh my gosh, you know, this is a boy. Oh my gosh, this is a dragon. I was assuming that this person was just like me. Well, well, guess what? He actually is just like you. He just doesn't look like you. And so of course they're friends and they have an amazing time at this luncheon that the teachers have planned and they give each other a high five and they're like, yes, it worked, you know? So those are some of my favorites. (laughs) Well, I just created, you know, my additional summer reading list for the boys over here. I love those. And I love the messaging in those books. I mean, some of those authors I'm familiar with some, I definitely, like I said, I'm adding to my list, but you know what I love about that too, and that how you just curated that is the intentionality, you know, behind that. And that was what struck me not only about, you know, Brave and Kind, the name of your bookshop, but when you were talking in our pre-call about a specific decision that you made when you were setting up the brick and mortar space to have all the books face out. And that really struck me. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So I built all of these as I was creating my business plan. I remember I actually stumbled on that one of those very first drafts recently where I collected a bunch of photos 
of spaces that I loved, of books that I loved, and the books, were, they were looking at me. And what I loved about them is that I could see these faces looking back at, at me, right? And they made me feel a certain way. And so, you know, that's what I really wanted for Brave and Kind. I wanted people to come inside the store, They're coming in the store right now, but they will again soon. And feel, have this feeling of being seen and to look up and to see these faces that looked like them, that evoked a feeling of being seen. And so, yeah, I envision families coming in and communing over stories and looking out into this museum of sorts where you can touch all the things and seeing these families and stories that resonated with families, their families and their values and the things that they felt like were important to share in their homes and share with their friends and to build these libraries at home that were a representation of those stories as well. So then when I had to kind of flip the, do the big pivot to online in a more robust way, because we've always had a web presence, but at the time we were mainly using our website to share a selection of book bundles, some of the classes and workshops that we held after school. And then we hosted events and kind of celebrations and parties in the store so that you could book those things on as well. And so as we began to go deeper into this pandemic, we just pulled everything that we could off the shelves, threw them onto this rug that we have in the middle of the floor that's very, you know, much of the, you know, the character and the personality of the store and began to take our pictures there because even though people weren't able to physically be in the store as best we could, we wanted to create an experience that made them feel like they were coming into the store. Because I know lots of websites have the books or have the digital photos or kind of have lots of white space, which I think is common practice, but I wanted to think of a way that I could to virtually also invite people into the space. So, yes. I love that. And what I hear is that it's offering people a sense to like slow down and tap into their emotions by letting people connect. Like all of us have been to those big box bookstores or libraries where you just see the spine and you don't have a feeling. You're trying to like tilt your head sideways and understand what book is what and and you sort of guess at them. But when you, you know, people say don't judge a book by its cover, but in this case, very much so, right? Like you want to be welcomed into the stories and connect with the beautiful artwork that somebody has created to convey the interior of this story and the feeling. And I love that it's so intentional to slow down and just feel connected. Right. I completely agree. And I find myself continuing to make sure that I fight for that space and that part of our vision as we grow and we add more books to the shelves and it gets a little bit harder to fight for the space. But I do, I feel like it's so important to what we want people to know and see and feel when they find these books and these stories. It reminds me also, we were having a conversation within the small team that we have at the store about how we're shelving the books as we get ready to start to invite people back into the store for in-store browsing. And, you know, one of the suggestions was, well, 
you know, can we put all of the, you know, books of this particular race together so that when that family comes in, they can find their books. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it that way because then it feels separate, you know, and the whole point is, you know, when you go into Barnes and Nobles, then you can find the black book section or you can find, you know, it's, you know, such and such week or month and we can find those books here, but it's okay if you have to search a little bit because maybe you'll find something that you weren't even looking for. And so we're not a, a book that is a bookshop that is inclusive in its nature as a niche. That is our store in its entirety. You know, it's like, no, we're not, the black books are not a section in the store and the books where the characters are Muslim are a section in the store. No, that's the whole store. You're going to find them over here and you'll find some over there and YA and you'll find some of those on the middle grade table. You might have to look a little bit, but guess what? You might want that one too, because, you know, she just got a new pet and she's trying to figure out how to be more responsible. So that might resonate with you as well. So it just reminded me of that because so much of, you know, being a person of color feels and is so othering, you know, and I want to, as best we can with the stories that we share, kind of just try to reframe the narrative about what it means to be a person of color in this world and plant those seeds very as early on as we possibly can. I appreciate that you do that. You know, and you mentioned that just now, you know, that it feels very othering. And when you originally told us about how the store came to be and it was supported by the community, it sounded all wonderful. But I do wonder how has being a Black female small business owner been really in the book space? And are there like highs and lows that have come from this experience of striking out on your own? It has been an interesting journey to be a Black woman-owned business in the last two years. And I don't, you know, and my experience has just been kind of 2018, end of 2018, at a time where, you know, I was really fighting against lots of emotions about how I felt about if we're allowed to talk about the current, you know, the administration that was in I'll say power at that time and how to talk to my kids about what it meant to be a person who was honest and treated people fairly, you know, because certainly all up until then, you know, if you're honest and you do the right thing and then (laughs) you treat people right, then, you know, you will be the winner inside, you know, but it's like, you know, but you said bullies don't win, mommy. (laughs) I don't know what to say now. What can I do? You know, I wanted to, so part of it was, You know, me wanting to, as a person in this world, do something that felt like it was leaving a positive impact on the community, on the world at large. And I felt like, you know, regardless of Brave and Kind stood for a week, a day or a year, people would have books in their homes that they procured from this space. And I will have done something to push that needle, you know, forward in in that direction of what felt like something positive. And then... As we embarked upon the pandemic, after the murder of George Floyd, I have several friends that are African-American, um, small business owners who saw an a increase in just, you know, people of exposure, of people searching to see some things that maybe they had been missing previously as it relates to the Black community. And so, you know, it was a bit bittersweet, I guess I will say. I was certainly grateful for the support 
of what we were already doing, right? So we didn't change what we were doing to fit what was happening. We were there all along, albeit, you know, I'd only really been there for a year, but it was what we meant to be and what we meant to share all along. And, you know, it was really only more confirmation in that moment that we were doing and we were where exactly where we were supposed to be at that time. And so, you know, I was still also very new in that space in the industry, but, you know, obviously within the book industry, as in with, within many industries, the diversity and inclusion leaves and left much to be desired. So I feel good about what we are as a store. I feel good about, about who I am as a black woman and what I have to share. And, you know, we'll just keep moving forward. Did you, I'm just curious because I agree with you that after George Floyd's murder, there was like a huge spike in interest, right? And all things black business owned and anti-racism and that sort of stuff. Have you noticed changes in that trend? If I'm being honest, I will say yes. You know, I think certainly I was on a call the other day and it was like, you know, and we stocked one of the bookshops or people that was speaking said, you know, we had the 15 books on anti-racism that everyone was clamoring to get at that moment. And, you know, not nearly as many people are buying those types of books at this time. So that's interesting. (laughs) Right. It's what I suspected. It's what we all suspected. But, you know, so what I've heard from you, when I think about our audience and I think about white people listening to this, you know, what I've heard so far is stuff like, you know, continue to support black owned businesses is one, especially like small business. Books are such a key entry point to conversation for ourselves and for children of all ages. Get all the books, make sure you have all the books and use questions to engage conversation around those books. And then I I was thinking stuff like, you know, stay consistent. Don't just follow the trend, but this is a consistent inquiry and learning process that we all must continue, not just when someone gets murdered and we need, it's like on trend and and the thing that we realize that we have a totally missing bit of information in our society and in our own personal knowledge as well. Right. You know, I think what it caused people also to do and something that we must continue to do is hold that mirror up to yourself and see, is this a reflection of who I am and who I want my family to be the things that are of value to us, the people that we want to be in this world, the values that we want to champion for our own family, but also outside of the people that live in this home. Because if we are going to be a community, it has to be, you know, more than just, you know, what's happening in here and how are we affecting what it means to be a person in this world in a positive way and to just really look outside ourselves. And I think that's what, you know, that caused people to do. And especially during a time where we couldn't do much else because we were, we were at home and we were, couldn't go anywhere. And so, you know, we did have to look in that mirror, but we have to continue to do that. And I have to continue to do that, you know, as a parent and the things that I'm teaching and sharing with my children as well. Now, the other book I wanted to talk a little bit about as it relates to just books that we share about and anti-racism and specifically white privilege is Race Cars. I don't know if you guys have read that. It was actually released some time ago, but the woman who does the Here We Read 
Instagram and podcast, rewrote it and edited it. And it is a picture book called Race Cars, a kid's book about white privilege. All right. So you mentioned this book, Race Cars. Amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about this book? Because Sarah and I have never heard about it. Yeah. So I'd love to share Race Cars is a book written by a woman named Jenny Devinney. And it was republished recently, like in the last month or so, uh, with a new edit by a woman named Shawnee Gordon. That's right. And she also has a really fun podcast called Here We Read, where she gives lots of great book suggestions as well. But I'd love to give just a quick impromptu story time, if you don't mind. I have a copy of the book, and I, I don't want to do it disservice. I'd love to just read you a few pages. Yeah, go for it. Awesome. So I want to say just the first part says tips for reading race cars with kids. And it gives lots of little authors notes and editors notes about how to talk about some of these harder topics and specifically race cars, a children's book about white privilege. It says stop and think critically when reading the story. Stop at various points to give children a chance to discuss what's happening. Refer back to what you already know about the characters and encourage children to make predictions based on this information. For example, we know that Chase is a black car and the organizers of this race want a white car to win. So what do you think they might do to ensure that he doesn't win? And is that fair? So I certainly, when I'm reading books with my kids with some of these more difficult topics, I tend to do a lot of that. Like, well, what do you think about that? Part of that is just me trying to give myself an opportunity to decide what I think about it so that we can have a discussion that's not fueled by, you know, fear or anxiety or that kind of thing. I'm showing the book here as if I'm giving a story time at the store. This is Chase. Chase is a black race car. This is Ace. Ace is a white race car. They live in a world with lots of other race cars. Big ones, small ones, short ones, tall ones. Old ones, new ones, brown ones, blue ones. Chase and Ace have been best friends forever. For as long as they can remember, they have been training together for the world famous annual race car race. Last year, they were finally old enough to enter the race. As long as anyone could remember, every year when the big race came around, a white car would win the race. A white car would win fourth place, third place, second place, and first place. Until last year. Last year, Chase won first place and Ace won fourth place. Sometimes competition can come between friends, but not for these two. Ace was so happy for Chase, and Chase was so happy for Ace. They loved to race and did not care about place. I don't think I realized this book rhymed. There were, however, some cars that did care about place. These cars were on the race committee. No one had ever seen them, but everyone knew who they were. They were a group of white cars that made all the rules for the annual race car race. When the committee heard about Chase winning, they were not happy. A black car had never won first place and they did not want things to change. We have always given white cars the fastest tires and the most powerful engines, they roared. How could a black car have won? For the next race, the committee decided to change a few of the rules to make it easier for the white cars to win and harder for all the other cars. They all agreed except for one, Grace. Something about it didn't feel right to her. She was used to things not feeling fair after all. Grace was the youngest committee member and the only girl but she didn't say anything because everyone else felt so strongly. 
Oh my gosh. Now I want to hear all of the book. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so good. I can notice there's just a few uh, little changes from the first edit to the first published book to this one here. And it really is such a good primer to have this conversation for some of our littlest readers, because at the end of the day, we know what feels right and wrong. We know what feels fair. And I think this is a good conversation starter for young people and for grownups too. I love that because I keep going back to how kids really understand fairness, right? Fundamentally, even our youngest kids, like you were saying, understand fairness and that concept of what is fair and what is not fair and how to start the conversation there, right? And really carry it into these harder topics is so great. Absolutely. So I wanted to also ask you because... You know, and this is something that Sarah and I talk about a lot. So many people use Amazon for their books, right? And on the podcast, and personally, we are big believers in places like book shops that are independent and including Brave and Kind. So I was wondering, do you have any feelings around Amazon? (laughs) I I feel like you do. You know, I think we have all gotten ourselves to a place where we have become accustomed to having things show up on our door, you know, when we need them and not have, and especially during a pandemic when we, you know, were almost afraid to leave the house. But I will say, you know, I got one of my bookish colleagues got an email recently. Yeah, it was an email that I shared. She posted on Instagram and then I reshared it where a customer had asked if she would refund the money that she had just spent on purchasing a book from her independent bookstore because she found it on Amazon for half price. And her response to that was, I am spiraling into a deep depression. I may not get from under the covers today. So that is what happens when you move your money from someone who, and then the second part that I wanted to say before I moved on is that I don't know if you've heard the saying, but I can certainly concur that when you purchase a book from an independent book seller, someone literally does a happy dance. And I am quite certain that every time you purchase a book from Mr. Bezos and his crew over at Amazon, nobody's doing a happy dance. And so, you know, if you have an opportunity and the way I like to try and think about the things that I purchase, I do a lot of purchasing on Etsy. And, you know, if it is a product or something that you can purchase where you could actually visualize someone doing a happy dance. And that doesn't include toilet paper or paper towels, right? No one's doing a happy dance when you purchase paper towels or toilet paper, but certainly a book, a hat, a shirt, you know, those types of things. If we can, and I can try to be be thoughtful about those types of purchases as best we can, I think we will all feel like we're doing our part. All right. I love that because it goes back to intentionality, right? You know, I think there is people mistake, you know, convenience for actual need or support at times because there's a lot of things that sure you can get in two hours, you know, or two days, you know, with Amazon Prime, but do you really, do you need it? then? I mean, or is it just the ease of having the app and, you know, you click through? It was a little bit rough there for a while because we had to move all of our services to just being available to purchase an order via the, our website and to have to ship them and have them delivered. It's like people really wanted to support small businesses in their minds, in their hearts, maybe. But then we get these calls after two days, like, well, I ordered this and where is it? <laughs> it's like, it's just me 
and Miss Sosina and, you know, and the couple of friends and family who've agreed to pitch in. And so, you know, I feel like you're supporting us because we are a small business, but then expecting kind of the turnaround of a large business. And we're doing the best we can. And we are literally washi tape, hand wrap, you know, beautiful twine to make you know, to let you know that, you know, how much care that we are putting into sharing what we are with you. And, you know, and not just slapping it in there with some bubble wrap and no receipt. Yeah, well, I can vouch for that. Those are beautiful bundles. Like, that's why I was taking, I never take photos of anything that Amazon sends me, but I definitely took photos of your book bundles. And for people who want their own book bundles, which should be everyone at this point, where can people find you? So we are at braveandkindbookshop.com. We are open online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But if you would give us three to five business days to process your order, we would be most grateful but we promise you'll be so excited when you receive your bundle of books. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. This We could talk for hours about books and all things like this, but thank you. You're still here learning how to uproot systemic racism one conversation at a time. Our fresh news, we have a brand new book that's available for pre-order. So find us on bookshop.org at Dear White Women and order. And then make sure you follow the Dear White Women podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts so you can keep getting the newest episodes each Wednesday. And don't forget to rate and review us as you share our show with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Dear White Women Podcast and Twitter at DWW Podcast. And if you love us, support our Patreon or look for ways you can bring us into your place of employment or circle of influence for a talk or ask us about our webinars and consulting work. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here.